Jesus, we pray that you would move in power this morning in our lives. Holy Spirit, we invite you and give you permission to move in us and to change us. We do not want to be the same when we leave. We don't want a good sermon or good music. We want to encounter with the divine God of the universe. Amen? You can be seated. Welcome. We're glad you're here with us. Before I jump in, I want to do a little bit of business. You know, here at the Orchard for a long time, if you wanted to get baptized, you would come up here and talk to one of us, and we would put you in the tub over here, and you would read your testimony, and then you would sign it, and it would be a great moment. In fact, baptism is probably one of my favorite things we do here. Just um, hearing somebody's story of life change, the, the symbolism of being buried and raising again anew, I love it. But as God has been speaking to me, uh, we, we have our way of doing it, don't we? And a lot of you are like, well, I don't want to get in there and read my paper. Well, that's what we do here. And uh, God said, is it more important that they get in there and, and do it your way or that they, they get baptized? And so on September 22nd at 1130, we get done here at this service on the 22nd. We'll carpool, drive, get to Veltus Park. We're going to have a big cookout. We're going to have a big potluck, bring some sides. We'll provide the main course. And we're going to have baptisms in the river for those of you who want to get baptized. Yeah. Yeah. And so for some of you who are like, I've been waiting and now this is me. And now you get to deal with the fear of that because this was always the reason you didn't do it. Well, now it's not anymore. <laughs> so for those of you who are looking to be baptized or feel that within you, man, consider that. September 22nd, and uh, come talk to me, email the office, or just show up, and we'll give you the Orchard t-shirt to get baptized in, and it's going to be a party, okay? It better be cold. I was baptized in Meredith Pond up near Redstone, and I still can feel that cold water in my bones. I took it with me. Hey, you know, the, the military, I don't know a lot about the military, so I had to look it up, but they have different ways of breaking up their organizational chain of command. And we get chain of command, don't we? When we get this. But in the army, they have this, they have 50,000 soldiers, and it's made up of two corps. Now, the corps have 20 to 45,000 soldiers, and that's made up of two to five divisions. A division has 10 to 15,000 soldiers, and is made up of three brigades. A a brigade has three to 5,000 soldiers, and is made up of two to five battalions. Now, a battalion has 300 to 1,000 soldiers and is made up of four to six companies. You guys know this, right? I'm just reminding you of what you've always known. And so we have these companies. Companies are made up of 62 to about 200 soldiers, and it could be three to five platoons within a company. Now, a platoon has about 15 to 45, and a platoon is made up of squads. Squad has about 10 to 12, and a squad can be broken down into teams of two and four. And so in our, in our jargon, it would look like this. Let's, Rachel, let's go ahead and put the numbers up here. We have these battalions, and we have a company, and platoon, squad, team. That's what it looked like kind of here. Now, which of these groups would be the most effective if you wanted to, to start a catalytic movement that would change an entire region, kind of a tipping point? Which one would you like to go with? I think the 400 is where I would go. I could just, the, the more, let's get out, let's, 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 we know more connections, we're, there's more of us. Now, okay, um, if you were going to throw a party, and not like a little intimate party, if you're going to throw a party, which one would you look for? Now, this depends on your personality. If you ask my wife, who's introverted, what kind of, well, you know, how big should a party be? Three people who I know very well. 
In fact, when we were um, planning for our wedding, we were having a little, this is hard to imagine, a disagreement about how the wedding would go. And so she said, you know what? You just go and start making your list for who you hope is there. And then after you make your list, I'll look it over and I'll correct it. So I'm downstairs, and off the top of my head, I'm just typing, and I'm up to over 350. And I'm just getting started. The, the, the engine's just revving, and I'm like, ooh, this is going to get good. And she walks down, and she goes, well, how, what number are you at? I go, ah, 347. And she started to cry. <laughs> Literally. She goes, I was hoping you'd be like at 70. I'm like, 70 people? It all has been on personality. So when it comes to personality and parties, I want 100 there. That's a good party. Now, if you're going to throw a barbecue in your backyard, I think 25 is a good number, right? Got some cornhole, got some grilling, all that stuff going on. Now, if you want to, which group of up there would be the most effective if you're going to have um, some people to, you know, have true community with, start forming some friendships with? Well, science has proven that the squad of about 10 to 12 is the ideal size for close friendships and, and deep friendships. In fact, Twitter and Instagram, they have this, hash, this hashtag that trends often called hashtag squad goals. And if it, it, squad goals is when you see a group of people doing something you wish you could do and you hashtag squad goals. And so today we're talking about squad goals. This group were forming friendships and, and something deeper. Which group would be best if you wanted to just get on the inside of your core fears, hopes, the wounds of your past, dreams for the future? I mean, is that the 400? No, 100? No, that, 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 that down there, that's the team of one to three, where you're telling one to three people who you are, and you are known by them, and they hold you accountable. It's, it's really deep. And so using this, this military jargon, they didn't invent this. There's science and psychology to this. So let's look at here at the orchard. We're about 400 on a Sunday morning with both services. That's one battalion. We, we have about four companies of 100. We have about 16 platoons of 25, 40 squads of 10, and 150 to 200 teams of, of 2 to 3. Now, you're like, well, that, that's... That's meaningless. You're right, but let's keep going. Because not only does psychology, not only does psychology and science back all this up, but guess what? Jesus modeled this. You see, he preached and he ministered to the multitudes, to the masses, to the battalions, to the, to the bigger. It says in Mark 10, Jesus left that place and went to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan River. And again, crowds gathered to him. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. He preached to them. When the masses would show up, when the multitudes would show up, he would preach to them. He consistently preached and proclaimed God's ways to the multitudes of people who followed him. Sometimes it was hundreds, but sometimes it was thousands upon thousands. And this is what you do. You preach to the multitudes. That's what we do. We preach to the multitudes, the big group. But he didn't just preach to the multitudes and call it a day. In Luke 10, he pulls aside 72, a company of followers. He gives them, instruction, he gives them instructions on what to do and, and how to operate, and he sends them out. It says this, he appointed 72 and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. You see, you preach to the multitudes, but you mobilize the medium-sized group. And he mobilized them. He didn't stop there. He didn't just preach. He didn't just mobilize. He broke it down a step further in Luke 6, verses 12 and 13. Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called all those disciples to him, and then he chose 12 of them. He picked 12 out of that. Out of the multitudes that broke down into the disciples, then he picked out just 12 who would come and be his hashtag squad goals. He picked his squad. I got these 12 people, and they were his group, 
And where, where he went, guess what? They went. He was almost always surrounded by these 12. They got to know him in a way that none of the others got to know him. They got to know him in a way that the multitudes only dreamed of, that even the 72 hoped to. For three years they traveled with him, and they were transformed in character and purpose and vision. They were different at the end of that. You see, the squad size model, this 12, is a powerful, transformative group that can lead to everyone finding a place where you are known and where you know others. It's a powerful model that Jesus is showing us here. He, he took it a step further. In Mark 9, Jesus is with his 12, but he leaves them and calls only the three to go with him up a mountain. It says this, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Jesus takes them up and gets the inner circle, these three. They get to see Jesus in a way that no one else does. He reveals himself to his inner circle in a way he didn't reveal himself to anyone else until he's coming back. He shows them things he doesn't show anybody. And this is kind of the model that, that we have our, our group, our 12, but we have a few people, one to three, that get to see you in a way that no one else gets the privilege to see you. Where you are authentic, where you are vulnerable. I mean, they saw him in a way that the multitudes couldn't even imagine. In a way that even the, the hundreds couldn't imagine. In a way that the, the 12 wished they would. These three got to see it. You see, you preach to the multitudes, you mobilize the medium-sized group, you invest in the small group, and you confide in the inner circle. From there, we, there were times often when Jesus would pull aside away from everybody, even his three inner circle, and he would retreat to be with God. And in Matthew 14, 22, verse 23, he's, he's preaching to a large group, and it says this, He fed over 5,000 men, women, and children, and he told his disciples to go on, on a boat to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. You see, Jesus often pulled aside to refuel and refresh and recenter his soul with his Father. And we need this. We pull aside to refuel our soul with our Heavenly Father. You see, he preached to the multitudes. He mobilized the medium-sized group. He invested in his small group. He confided in his inner circle. He rested in the one. You rest in the one. Jesus models in this very brief breakdown a healthy and thriving spiritual life. But unfortunately, if we're honest, this is not how we often engage spirituality, Christianity, and church here in America. Let's take a look at how we often operate. We have our large gatherings like this. This is our large gathering. And what do we do? What do we share in this moment? Well, we have these catalytic moments where we are inspired, or we are challenged maybe by the Spirit to change. We hear something, God sparks something, and we, we leave going, I'm going to be different. I'm going to do different. We worship together in here. We, we celebrate together. We, we realize we're part of something bigger in this room. We're not alone we're filled up, we're energized, our kids are fed, our, our youth are led. We sit in rows with people we know. Look down your row right now. Look around your row. Most you might know, some you might not. Who knows? We sit in rows with people we might know and might not know. On Labor Day, you might have no one in your row. It doesn't mean you never know. And we hopefully leave this large group gathering different. That's the hope. 
And sometimes in this place, we make big decisions. Sometimes in this room, we have made decisions that have changed our lives. But for authentic, for authentic spiritual growth like Jesus modeled to happen, we must admit to ourselves that this Sunday morning gathering, although it's great, that's not where it ends. It's not enough. Have you guys ever heard of anemia? It's pretty common. It happens. The, the symptoms of anemia are fatigue. You might be feeling that right now. It happens oftentimes during this hour of church. It might be weak, confused. Hopefully you're not feeling confused. Fatigued, weak, confused, and anxious. And the causes of anemia are pretty simple. Lack of minerals, lack of vitamins. Your body isn't being fed all the compounds it needs. You're not getting everything you need, and so you become anemic. And if my spiritual life is dependent solely on Sunday morning gatherings, I'm missing some of the compounds that help my spiritual life thrive. If I'm solely dependent on Sunday morning gatherings for nutrition, I will eventually find my faith is fatigued. My resolve against temptation is weakened. My mind can become anxious and my beliefs can become confused. And I want us just to stop and be honest for one second. Do you find that your faith is fatigued? Maybe your beliefs can get confused or your resolve begins to get weak? See, these are, these are symptoms of something in our life. And how long does a Sunday morning last for us? You know, for some of us, uh, we, the band is really good. The band rocks it, and so we, we walk out to our car, still kind of in that elevated space, and, and, and a Sunday morning is with us until we maybe turn on the key. For others, we might, Sunday morning might be so good that you get all the way to your couch and turn on the game, and that's how long it took you. One guy last service claimed one guy last service claimed Tuesday. It lasted till Tuesday. It's amazing. How long does the Sunday morning gathering keep you moved? Let me just give you a little secret. It wasn't meant to sustain you. It's not this big buffet that you come in and just gorge on on Sundays and you just remain full. Ah, mm, my one meal a week, I am good. And then you, you arrive on Sunday just in time to be hungry again. I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. It doesn't. If I rely solely on Sunday morning gathering, my spiritual self will be lacking some of the vital compounds for spiritual health. My faith gets anemic. My faith gets fatigued. My faith isn't moving and swelling and growing within me anymore, and I get tired. My will and my surrender to God get weak in the face of temptation. My belief gets shaken. Because I leave my one hour here and go spend the rest of my week in a culture that disagrees. So my belief can get shaken and confused and my spiritual, or my peace begins to give way to more anxiety. Spiritual anemia is rampant in God's people. And this is why we see Jesus' model so vital. It's so practical, it's so vital. How do we miss this? And here at the orchard, these small groups, these squad groups we talk about, they're called growth groups. Why do we call them growth groups? It's very simple. Because the goal of the group is that you grow deeper in your love for God and deeper in your friendships and love for other people in your group. It's the simplest thing. We want to grow. And listen, it's not just a program. Growth groups aren't just a program. It's a vital next step for the elements that you need for spiritual thriving. So what do we do in these growth groups? We talked about what we do in here. What happens in a growth group? Well, we, sh we share. We share prayer requests and praises, fears, 
tears, laughs, and joys, hopes for the future, struggles in the present, maybe wounds of the past. We're known. We get to know other people. We belong to a group. We belong, a family, a community. And instead of sitting in a row with people we may or may not know, we sit in a circle of people we love or are beginning to love or learning to love. We are fed in deeper ways with God's word. And I've been with my growth group for five, over five years. And in those five years, we've had more laughs than we can count. And there have been tears shed by everybody in the group at some point. Because, you know, once every three to five years, you're going to have some sort of personal crisis. It could be financial or health or relational or family, whatever it would be. And, and the group has always been there. It was there for Amy and I when we had some of our darkest valleys. We didn't know if God was going to come through with some miracles. We didn't know if we were ever going to have kids. We didn't know if we were going to pack up and move and not be here. We didn't know what God was going to come through with. And they were there with us for every step. And, and we've been with them as well. Listen, in my, in my group, we've had um, people come to Christ on our couch, pray to receive Jesus. We've had healings happen. We've had, we've had tears as um, paths have been exposed and things have come out. It's been beautiful. And I'm eternally grateful for, for our growth group. I wouldn't want to do my life without them. And in Amy and I, looking back, we would not have done life the same without them. We leaned on them more than we even knew. There's a power in growth groups that you cannot and you will not find in this room. And not only that, let me map out for you how this breaks down spiritually. Because remember Jesus' model. You preach to the multitudes, you invest in the small group, you confide in the inner circle, and you rest in the one. And here's the bottom line. On a large Sunday morning, you come here and you are, in, let's, let's say God moves, and you're inspired and you're challenged to go be different, to go, to go love God and love people in a new way. And then you go to your growth group and you tell them about this decision and what happened to you and they discuss it in the group and you nail down, you talk about your plan. Well, what's it going to look like? Well, I think I'm going to start doing this. And they add you to the group prayer list and you're prayed for by your, your, your group every week and, and next week they ask you how it's going. And from there you go to your inner circle, your one or your three and you tell them, man, listen to what God has called me to. He wants me to really adjust my, my, my graciousness here or my patience here so I can love him and love others better. And they hold you accountable. They call you out. They text you during the day and say, how are you doing? They text you before your big meeting and say, I'm praying for you. And through it all, you invest in this personal relationship with you and God one-on-one. -on -one. Those are the elements that come to, to weave together to make a thriving spiritual life that Jesus never meant for us just to live in one area. You know, don't be just a monk and don't be just a big, large group person. He modeled for us the different stages. Did you know that Sunday morning is only 25% of your spiritual life? It wasn't meant to disciple you 100%. It was never intended to be all you needed. So you need that group. And you need that inner circle. And then you have to have that moment with God where you are plugged in and finding and seeking Him. And here's why it's important for us as a church. For us, this, this is the 30-minute infomercial. And if you're a guest of ours, wait, there's more. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> there's more next week. Um, in fact, let me just give a little, little next week we're starting a series that I am so excited about. I'm excited about because we're going, we're going deep. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with some of us. And I'm going to ask you to stick with us even though it might mess with some of us, okay? It's going to be a great series. But before we get there, here's why it's important for us 
Now, why is this week important? Why is it important to pull aside and, and focus on, on your, your group? Because the orchard is, is growing. You know, August is historically, every year, our lowest month of the year. And our last August, just a month ago, beat every other month we've ever had since I've been here. We're, I mean, it's... Now, hold on. Um, big numbers are not our trophy, and that is not success. I would much rather as a pastor have fresh stories of life change than just big numbers. Uh, we want to know that God's moving, and here's the great part. He is moving. We have some astounding stories of people turning their life around. I would love to, to, to at some point interview them and let them tell you how God has changed their life. God is moving in, in favor here. God, God is pouring out himself here, and, and I'm excited about what he's growing. And all the growth is for him and from him, and it's in his hands. I just want to say that. It's for him. Spiritual life change, transformation, salvation, baptisms, community, grace, love, compassion. These are the real keynotes of success. But God is growing us. And something begins to happen when a church our size begins to grow. You look around and go, huh, I don't really know anybody here. Have you thought that yet? Do you even know people in the 830? I asked them if they knew you. They don't even know who you are. <laughs> All they know is you just like to sleep in. Now, now here's the deal. As, as God continues to, to, to maybe grow us here, um, in his time, in his way, you will, con- you will increasingly say, I don't know people here. And wait till God maybe adds another service or a weekday service. Wait and see what happens. We're saying, I don't know anybody here. See, the challenge we have for the orchard is that while we grow big, that we remain small. And that while we, we get more numbers, we remain connected. It's vital to us. And this is why the growth groups is going to become the primary ministry of the orchard. We're, like, we're going to continue to do this like crazy. But we want to make sure that you guys, all of us, are in a thriving group where we can, we can round out what God is calling us to. We follow Jesus' model. And so how do we do that? We join a growth group. We join a growth group so that no matter who sits in your row, when you look around and go, I don't know anybody in my row, you have a place to go during the week where you sit in a circle and you know those people. We are moving from a row paradigm to a circle paradigm. We want to be a church of circles, not rows, where everyone is known. We're finding community. And so how do we do this? I'm going to ask you three different things, if you're willing to listen. If you're not willing to listen, I'm going to ask you three different things, okay? The first one is this. The first one is this. We need hosts, people who are willing to host a growth group. Growth group. This just means you have a living room or a space or something. You don't want to lead it, but you're willing to host it. You guys can come over to my house. I'll be in it. About 12 people. The next one we need is a facilitator. These are people who read the growth group questions. Now, do you need a seminary, seminary degree for this? No. Do you need to know all the answers? No. This is for, this is, we're all on the journey. This is for those who say, I can read. I want to read, and I'm going to read these questions. And here's the requirement. Listen, we want you to be spiritually warm and relationally warm. Our facility leaders should be spiritually warm, that you have a, a growing relationship with God, but you also have a, a, a relational warmth. So we need hosts, we need facilitators, and they can be the same person sometimes. And finally, we need you. We need you. We want you to sign up for a group. I'm going to be unapologetic that as God continues to grow the orchard, I want us to continue to grow deeper, to put our roots down, to become in a place where we know people and we are known. So I would love for us each to take a chance. Now, what does it mean to join a growth group? Have you ever been to a church or a place where there's, there's small groups and you get in one and you realize you're married for life? 
And the only way out of this small group is to like move, quit your job, and go find another church. You ever been, you're like, wow, I, I, I just, I didn't even know, mean to join this one, and I'm stuck for life with these people. Now, so what we do here is we have a 10-week session. We'll start on the 15th of September. We'll go 10 weeks till about uh, Thanksgiving. We'll take the um, holiday season off and start in January. So we have a 10-week session, and in those 10 weeks, it's about, um, it can be anywhere from an hour or whatever, and we have all different kinds of groups. We have groups that meet in the morning before work. Early morning, we have um, two moms groups, women's groups, who meet um, here at the church on different days, and they provide child care. We ha- listen to this. We have 830 people. You might want to get on this. 830 people who go to that service and then go to the growth group during, during your service, and their kids get to go upstairs for another one. They call it free child care. I don't believe in that, but that's what they're doing, okay? We have lots of different growth groups. And listen, we need more. We need more groups. We need more facility- facilitators. So I'm going to ask you, please, Consider stepping up and being a facilitator, a host, but at least join a group and try it out and get in on this. I don't just tell you this because it's a program. I don't want you to join a program of the orchard. As I look at the life of Jesus, it's obvious. This is how he, this was his rhythm. And I find when I'm in a healthy rhythm of my life, this is how I'm moving. I'm celebrating here with you guys. I'm having catalytic moments of inspiration and challenge. I'm taking it to my group where I'm finding support. I have my inner circle that's there for me, and I have my time with my Father. I want you guys to look at your spiritual life. Maybe your faith is feeling fatigued, old. Growth groups is where you start. Maybe you're here today, and you don't even know if you believe in this Jesus stuff. We have, we have those kind of groups. We have the, you're welcome to go to any of our groups. You don't have to have all the answers. In fact, bring your questions to the group. If you're new and you're not plugged in and you don't know anybody, growth groups is the place to start. If you've been here for years and you realize my spiritual life is the same place it was when I walked in years ago, growth groups is the place for you to start. There's really no one in here that would say, you know what, it's probably not for you because this is what Jesus modeled for us. And so I would ask you guys to consider it. We're going to have two booths outside. You can sign up and try it out. Again, you're not married to it. And in the, end, in the end, I want the orchard, we want the orchard to be a church that models what Jesus was like. You know, he loved God. And he loved people, all people, no asterisks. There was no group of people he was like, no, nah, except for them, all people. And he would preach. He would proclaim he would pull aside with his group, and, and they would be transformed in those moments. Listen to this in Acts 2. Acts 2 is talking about the launch of the church of Jesus. Did you guys know church was Jesus' idea? Did you know he started it? And so he, he, he was crucified, and he rose again, and then he said, now it's up to you guys. Go! And listen to what happened. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and doing life together, to communion and to prayer. Everyone was in awe of the many wonders and signs that happened. All the believers lived in in harmony, holding everything in common, and they sold whatever was needed and pooled their resources so that each person's needs was met. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts for worship. That's this. They came together in the big group, and then they gathered together, and then they gathered together in their homes and had meals together with genuine love, and they praised God and enjoyed each other and celebrated. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. You know, it was obvious they would go meet in the big groups. And it says, and then they would go and meet in their circles. And so some for us to consider, Orchard. It's not just a program. I believe this is the way that Jesus operated, and he's calling us to operate. And so, for your spiritual life,
I want you to pray about stepping into this. This will be an intentional, courageous decision for some of you because you already in your mind go, nope, nope. This is a pathway to spiritual growth. As we go into and close this series, this uh, sermon, one thing we do here is if you're here with any kind of need, unrelated to the sermon even, if you have any need from just wanting a blessing to a deep, deep need this morning, we have a, a prayer corner back there. You're welcome to go pray. We have people back there to pray with you. We have some people up front to pray with you. We would love to, to minister however you would need. And for those of you who are with us who are new and you're wondering how we do communion, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We don't need a class. We should remember him. And so we have the symbol of his, his body and his blood. Our Savior, our rabbi, who launched this church idea. And so if you want to come get the elements and go back to your seat and pray, that'd be great too. But Orchard, as we end this series, this sermon, this is the time for you did you have a moment with God to do as he would ask? Amen? Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for how, what you modeled for us. I pray that you would help us to find our circle. Help us to find our group. Father, we don't want to do this alone. And so I pray that you would have us, the, the orchard, be courageous and we step out into community. Thank you so much. May your Holy Spirit be active at the end of this service. Amen.